Welcome to the podcast, where today we're trying to better understand the policy debate about Boston's Municipal Harbor Plan, which outlines planning principles for the city's 42-acre downtown waterfront. First, Kim Janey, the acting mayor, moved to withdraw the plan entirely. Then, when the governor said it couldn't be withdrawn, only amended, the city council unanimously approved a resolution last week calling for just that. The resolution said, quote, in addition to not reflecting the new realities of climate change, the current municipal harbor plan does not take into account the moment of renewed civil rights and racial equity. The municipal harbor plan should reflect the city's effort to make all aspects of the waterfront accessible to those disenfranchised and separated from the waterfront. Our first guest is Kathy Abbott, the president and CEO of Boston Harbor Now, who supports the efforts of Janie and the city council. Glad to have you with us, Kathy. Uh, it's terrific to be here. Thanks, Bruce. So if you could sum up for us somewhat briefly why you think the Municipal Harbor Plan, approved by the city in 2017 and the state in 2018, should be scrapped. Well, let me just start by saying that the Boston Harbor now was, has not been supporting the scrapping of the plan. That said, when Mayor Janey uh, withdrew it, we were supportive uh, and are supportive of the mayor and the city council's interest in, in amending it and improving it, because we have said consistently since the plan was signed off on that we think, in fact, the plan could be better. Um, so we continue to feel that way. And I think the issues that you just highlighted in that quote uh, in particular, and it, it wasn't that those issues weren't around when the plan was being done several years ago. They were. But I think uh, certainly the awareness uh, and the interest has been heightened, both in terms of the concern, concerns around resiliency and concerns around equitable access to the waterfront. So most of us don't follow the municipal harbor plan that closely. Um, so I'm thinking of a sort of a broad documents setting out principles or planning principles for how you develop along the waterfront and, and, and deal with the harbor. So does that preclude uh, the resolution, for example, talked about what are the, the new realities of climate change? Um, I, I'm, I'm having a little hard time. Will we write into it that the new realities of climate change, if we amend it, what, what does that mean? I, I don't really understand it. I think the opportunity is to, we as a city, the BPDA, um, uh, to, to, do, to really think comprehensively about, that, about those 42 acres that are in the downtown. Um, historically, we as a, have planned parcel by parcel, and particularly in response to climate resiliency, we know parcel by parcel really is not, isn't effective. You really have to look at the whole thing. Um, so we think this opportunity to look, at the, to, to look again at the district as an entire district and looking at, at every single parcel in it and not just these two proposed developments, both the Pinnacle and the, and the Hook Lobster, but the enti that entire section of, wa of waterfront, given its importance um, as a gateway to the harbor and also its importance, as we learned a couple winters ago, as a flood pathway that there's a very exciting opportunity to hear, to look at it as a major civic destination that, uh, that is both a major entry point and a, and a place to protect the city from our harbor. But I thought that was the whole point of the document in the first place, to take a comprehensive look at the 42 acres. 
Mm, that's not really, I mean, it, it was, it's, it, the municipal harbor plans are focused on, it does, it does take a look at the district, but it really then honed in on a couple of very specific projects within that. Um, and it's really about, it's about giving municipalities an opportunity to, to redefine within the context of chapter 91, uh, what their specific needs are. So if they want to, if they want to go over and above some of the limitations in chapter 91, which is what these projects needed to do, um, then that's what they use the municipal harbor planning process for. So the 600 foot building that you're talking about is the harbor garage that's owned by Don Chiafaro. Right. Uh, do you oppose that building? Uh, that, no, but the issue there, we don't oppose the building. Um, what we are concerned about, and we said all along, is that we think it's really critical that when those exemptions are made or when those, those, um, those uh, what would you call them, the, uh, the, the deviations from the specifics of chapter. So chapter 91 calls for 50 to 150 foot high buildings right along the waterfront in that area. What Don has proposed is a 400 to 600 foot building. Um, and what we have said consistently is if you're going to if you're going to change those specs uh, to the benefit of the of the development, then the the, commend, the the public benefits that are being derived from those increases need to be commensurate. And you don't believe they are. We don't think they are yet. No, we have said that consistently. OK, so it's not the height so much. It's the public benefits that accompany the height that you have a concern with. Yes. Yes. So as an outsider, though, it sort of seems like all these issues get conflated a little bit. Some people might be wanting to stop that building. Uh, there's clearly an effort to do that. Mm -hmm. And then there are others that want to have a better deal, if you will. Um, so how as an outsider, a regular person, how do you tell who's on pushing what agenda here? <laughs> I'm, I, I think that's really hard to do. Um, I do think that, that we've heard consistently that for the city to be, be being more proactive and providing its, what it wants to see, letting the developers react to that as opposed to, to the BPDA reacting to the developers, and then to have a consistent uh, formula or, or ask for what the benefits are going to need to be in order for these exemptions to be would be really helpful because what we've heard from developers is that they're actually willing to do even more in terms of public benefit, but they want it to be more consistent. They want to know what they're getting into ahead of time, and they want to know what the public sector is going to be putting in as well. So, so what does it mean to make all aspects of the waterfront accessible to those disenfranchised and separated from the waterfront? What does that mean to you? And that's in the resolution that the city council passed. Yeah, it means that what we're developing along the waterfront needs to be accessible and welcoming to, to all people. So it means that you've got to have amenities that are available at every price point from free to, to whatever. That the, the ground floors of, of buildings that are being developed along there need to be done in a way that are, are welcoming to everybody and not, uh, not seem to be um, places that are not accessible to everyone. Uh, that, that the 50% lot coverage of, of all developments along the waterfront, that there's plenty of open space, that the Harbor Walk, and we talk a lot about Harbor Walk 2.0, which is both a welcoming walkway along the waterfront and in this day and age, something that also is going to help to protect us from sea level rise and storm surge. Um, but that all these things are built and developed in a way 
that do not seem elitist, do not seem to literally physically block off uh, visually or otherwise or economically um, access to that waterfront. So if you're building a building with uh, condos or rental units, did I understand you, you would have a price range for every income level? That's, it's not ideal. That would be wonderful. And the city does have formulas that require, you know, certain amounts of affordable and accessible housing. Um, But this is really, you were asking about, about, you know, making the waterfront itself accessible. That really has everything to do with those ground floor uh, with, with the developments of the ground floor. What, what's the retail that's going in there? What are the restaurants that are going in there? What are the public amenities like bathrooms or meeting space or, or programs uh, that really are, that, that everybody in the city and, on, and frankly the region, because we think of the harbor as a regional resource, uh, would, find, would find interesting and welcoming and, and feel comfortable coming to. We, we've heard from the, the survey that was just done by the, the coalition for a, a resilient and inclusive waterfront, you know, came back loud and clear saying that, that a lot of people uh, who do not live on the waterfront um, and who may come from neighborhoods uh, away uh, don't necessarily feel welcome or comfortable coming down to the waterfront. Well, I, I, I think that's true. And perhaps I'm not sure, maybe you, maybe you could point to a specific thing but there's a lot of buildings down there that are fighting Don Chafara, for example, that are not welcoming at all. Um, and I suppose they're already grandfathered in, so you can't do anything about that. Um, yeah, it- no, that's what I, I'm, we're suggesting that, that we want to look at all of those properties along that waterfront and, and encourage everybody to be looking at it, particularly in these lenses today of of equitable access and resiliency and doing whatever they can to become more welcoming today um, and more resilient. But how does a plan, unless it's a zoning issue that you're giving an exemption from height limits or something, how do you tell like Harbor Towers, you've gotta be more welcoming to the public. Uh, That's a very tall building right on the Harbor uh, it's sort of like a gated area around it too. It's not. It's not a. It's not a. Let's go in and check out what the folks are doing there. Type place. What? Do you, how do you? How do you do that? It, it it gives the impression of being a gated area. Um, I think, but it it is not a gated area. There is a harbor walk around around Harbor Towers. There is public art at Harbor Towers. They could do more to promote it. That could be further developed as part of this Harbor Walk 2.0 idea. It could be made to be more inclusive and more welcoming and more clear that as a, as a member of the general public, you are encouraged, not just welcome, but encouraged to walk from the New England Aquarium to the Boston Harbor Hotel, for instance. Um, that is, that is it's, you can do it with signage, you can do it with landscape, you can do it with amenities like benches and art, and you can do it with programming. Um, we actually, think it would be exciting to begin to see uh, some of the contributions that developers and others make to these projects be pooled. And we think about whole districts in terms of what's happening along that waterfront uh, in terms of these kind of amenities so that we can make sure that there's some consistency across the waterfront. And the last question for you, the, the uh, amending process, it took quite a long time, as I understand it, to develop the original Municipal Harbor Plan. Is this going to be a two or three year effort to amend it or will this happen very quickly? What do you think? Uh, I would imagine it'll take some time because I think like all plans, the process is as important as the product. 
And one of the things that we're all working hard to do these days is to be more inclusive rather than less inclusive in that process and to hear from more people. So I don't, I don't think it will be a really quick process. Um, that said, I have no idea how long, how long it might take. Kathy Abbott, the president and CEO of Boston Harbor Now, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Bruce. It's been great to be with you. Let's welcome our next guest, Rick Domino, the president and CEO of the business group of Better City. Glad to have you, Rick. Glad to be on, Bruce, and thanks for inviting me. So why don't you explain to us where you stand in this debate over the Municipal Harbor Plan? Well, um, Bruce, um, a better city was fortunate uh, to be invited to be part of the Municipal Harbor Plan um, Task Force. And, um, and a better city, as you know, represents the business community. And we have a lot of members that represent um, properties and major tenants that are uh, that exist along the downtown corridor and the, at the waterfront. So I was pleased that then Mayor Walsh invited us to be part of the task force. Um, I can tell you that I didn't think that it was going to take, you know, five years for us to figure out what the municipal harbor plan should say and what it should speak to. But I, I got to uh, thank the Boston Planning and Development Agency and all the stakeholders and participants that put time and effort into that five-year uh, planning effort. And I wanna thank the Commonwealth because at the end of the day, I thought the municipal harbor plan did what it was supposed to do. And uh, the city of Boston recommended that it be approved and the Commonwealth approved it. And so I think it's a uh, municipal harbor plan that did what it, what, what it was meant to do. I think at the end of the day, it was. Is, is a good quality municipal harbor plan and uh, one that should uh, stand uh, go forward and um, and then allow the process to, to move forward uh, regarding the Boston Planning and Development Review, which uh, in my opinion is much more suited and much better positioned uh, to deal with uh, more specifically uh, the issues of resiliency and equity. And uh, of course I look forward to that because I think resiliency and equity regarding the waterfront are critically important, but I, I, I think the municipal harbor plan is, you know, it's kind of very strict in terms of what it's supposed to do. And so I think after five years, I think uh, we achieved what it was meant to achieve. And I'm, you know, again, grateful for all the folks that participated and I, I hope it's allowed to stand and I, and I look forward to the next steps in the development review process. Uh, Rick, what do you think this debate is about then? Because one side is saying this municipal harbor plan missed the boat because it is, does, isn't dealing with equity and it is, isn't dealing properly with resiliency. You're saying it does, and, and there are other mechanisms to deal with them as time progresses. Is there some hidden agenda here that's going on? Well, um... You know, I think that it's reasonable for advocates to push for what they believe in. I think that it's also important to know what the municipal harbor plan is and what it isn't. Um, you know, the municipal harbor plan is a tool and a process to deal directly with a, a city and a private developer's interest in moving forward and getting relief, what's called Chapter 91. Chapter 91 are very thoughtful regulations that are meant to protect the public interest and trust regarding the waterfront. Let's put a 
put in place a long time ago. Um, but it's meant to really focus on matters that relate to the watershed, um, public accommodations along the water's edge, um, shadow. Um, there's regulations that affect density and height, but meant to be there relative to its relationship to the impact on the watershed and the waterfront and the harbor. So getting relief, if you will, substitutions and, and uh, any refinements or modifications in that chapter 91 is meant to be something that's dealt with when cities uh, in towns that have waterfront properties want to modify their relationship to the chapter 91 regulations. Uh, sadly, those regulations haven't been updated for years. And as they stand, there's no requirements to actually deal with issues of resiliency or equity in that regulatory process. Now, I got to give the city and stakeholders and advocates credit. Uh, again, I used to be the chair of the uh, of the Harbor Task Force or the Boston Harbor Association. And, you know, we started using Chapter 91 and the Municipal Harbor Plan uh, process for dealing with issues of resiliency, but that was more of a kind of an informal influence on those regulations. Um, developers in the Commonwealth were fine to accommodate some of that. And again, believe it or not, the downtown Minister Harbor Plan that we're currently debated um, did already include some matters that relate to resiliency. So, but in the meantime, I, again, the Boston Planning Development Agency and We Had a Better City work with them and others have developed very strict uh, guidelines and processes on how to deal with resiliency. And um, the city and other public agencies have been weighing in in their own way on how to deal with matters of equity. And I think that's all good. But the Municipal Harbor Plan is not one that specifically speaks at the moment to resiliency and equity. So we're kind of asking a tool to do something that's not meant to do. You, you mentioned that some of your members uh, uh, have properties al along the waterfront there. And um, there are two projects that, as I understand it, this Municipal Harbor Plan granted some exception to the height rule. Um, the Harbor Garage and the Hook property, uh, both were allowed to go much higher than what was allowed in the, in the Harbor Plan. Is, is that, are those two sort of exceptions to that? Are they, what's prompting people to try and get rid of the old one and, and start over? Or, because it sort of sounds like you're saying that there is a vehicle for dealing with the concerns that people are raising. Is it more about those two, two properties? Well, I mean, everybody has, and, and of course, you know, Boston's well known for getting involved with civic dialogue regarding density and height. I mean, uh, it's, it's, whether it's happening in our neighborhood or if it's happening in the waterfront, folks get concerned about those issues, but there's the appropriate way to talk about that. And that's through zoning and through the Boston Planning and Development Review process. Um, density and height does pertain to the Municipal Harbor Plan, but again, it's, um, it's, it's more related to its relationship to the water sheet and open space and um, public accommodation. And uh, so, um, you know, people might have, uh, and I, you know, obviously there's some advocacy concern that they don't want tall buildings on the waterfront or dense or density on the waterfront. And yes, they might be trying to leverage the municipal harbor plan and its uh, approval uh, to address their specific concerns, but it's, you know, trying to use a hammer when you really need a saw. I mean, they're using the wrong tool 
to uh, push on that. And I think, um, you know, for the development community and for a Boston's economy, you know, you need to have real clear roadmaps relative to how to move the development process forward. The Municipal Harbor Plan has a specific, you know, areas of concern that it needs to follow. And I think to try to kind of push, put it on its head and call it something that it's not or use it for something that's not meant to be, I think we, we need to be careful not to disrupt kind of what the intention is, let that process go forward based on what it's supposed to do, and then allow the development review process of the city to go forward and, and, and take the necessary steps to make a project even better. And that's what we're supposed to do. And uh, again, we all look forward to that. Um, so um, I think the advocates in this particular case are barking up the wrong tree. I think the next step for the advocates should be related to the Boston Planning and Development Agency uh, development review process. Uh, walk me through one last thing, Rick, and that is uh, one concern that's been raised, and I think you agree, so you said you agree with it to some degree, uh, that um, the, the, this whole issue of civil rights and racial equity as it applies to municipal harbor plan or the waterfront. Um, what do you, when people start talking about that, um, I get a little confused about what they mean. Do they mean that everybody should be able to walk down to the waterfront or that everybody should be allowed to live on the waterfront? You know, there should be property for set aside for all income levels and all sorts of groups or how far do you go with that? What, what do you think is being debated here? Cause it's been a little vague. It hasn't really, is it access? Is that primarily the issue? Well, um, you know, the, the notion of equity regarding a waterfront or any aspect of how we think about cities and how they go forward is critical priority. It's got to be addressed and it needs to be uh, seriously incorporated in a wide range of policies and actions. Uh, in this particular matter, uh, I think when we think about equity is how do we ensure that the waterfront is a common ground and really is inviting everybody to it, including our, our communities of color and making it accessible, also making it friendly and, and actually speaking and connecting to those communities in ways that are very appealing and attractive. One of the examples that I like to think about is the, um, is the fountain that we have right in the downtown waterfront that the Greenway and the Conservancy put in place uh, where we see kids from all neighborhoods splashing around on that bit of common ground. So what are other things that we can be doing uh, to attract all people to our waterfront. Um, one of the things that, you know, I got to thank Vivian Lee and the Boston Harbor Association and many, uh, many people that got involved with this is we created a harbor walk. And how do we make that harbor walk, which has been very successful, but even more successful in terms of how we attract the diversity of our city to that water's edge and what kind of programming, what kinds of things that might appeal uh, to communities in our city that really haven't had a chance to be as connected to the waterfront. Um, another organization, Save the Harbor, Save the Bay, was connecting people um, and, uh, and we had the, the whole high Harbor Island camp experience. Those are great ways of um, providing access to the waterfront and we need to do more of that. And so how can development in the future 
think about programming and uses in relationship to the waterfront that might be attractive and connect with all of our all of our, our residents and all of our folks that uh, can bring the kind of diversity of our city to the water's edge that's important. And that that's that's a that's a very important matter and the one that does need consideration. Um, and second is um, how did how does the development community and the city kind of take the economic outputs of development and, and connect those opportunities to our neighborhoods and make sure that people of color have access to those opportunities. And that's another important policy priority and one that needs to be given serious attention. So I agree that that needs to be given very thoughtful and serious consideration. Sadly, unless we change and update the chapter 91 regulations, uh, those, the, that matter is not a matter of uh, regulatory purview, if you will, of chapter 91, nor is it yet a matter of municipal harbor planning uh, regulatory purview. Um, so at the moment, we have other ways of considering those things, uh, and that's through city policy. Uh, and I appreciate that. And I think the city's actually starting to lean in on that a lot more. And so is the private sector. We care about that a lot as well. So um, I see that as a good thing. And I think we, we need to try to make sure we're successful at that. Rick Domino, President and CEO of A Better City. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for having me, Bruce. Always enjoy talking to you. And to all our listeners, we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much.